College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by PolitiWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. This is America with your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here in New York City. And man, do we have a show for you today. We've got so many updates and developments going on. I had an old friend of mine ask me a bunch of questions, and I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not going to be able to sit there and type it out on the social media platform, but I will be able to address them right here on this program so that everybody else who has similar questions can hear my take, my opinion, my commentary on that. I was looking at some headlines a little while ago, and there's a lot of things going on from Meryl Streep's grandson beating the crap out of somebody to the McRib making a comeback, which I thought was really cool. I love the McRib. It's always a fun sandwich. And again, what sandwich don't I like? But still, the McRib is back, and I enjoy it. And I thought it was interesting news. And something else that obviously caught my eye was the front page of the New York Times. Of course, the, excuse me, the, the <laughs> I don't know which paper it is. It's the New York Post. All right, the front page of the New York Post. And the headline is that Biden's pick for the Office of Management and Budget, her name is Neera Tanden, spread conspiracy theories about Trump in 2016 when he won. Of course, now the cover, you know, talks about cheating and hacking and all of this stuff. And one of her quotes from back then was, quote, why would hackers hack unless they could change the results? What's the point? This is why she was saying she was surprised as anyone else that Trump won. Now, what's interesting is she's a longtime party loyalist, worked for Clinton and for Clinton acolytes and all that stuff. And she's been a critic for quite some time. She has a history of making inflammatory comments about Republican senators, and it seems, according to the Post article, that she swiftly began deleting them on Monday after news that her confirmation broke. Now, Josh Holmes, he's the chief of staff to Senate Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, and he said that this would be a sacrifice to the nomination and confirmation gods, and it would be a funeral. So it looks like the 51 votes that she needs in the United States Senate may not be a reality for this woman. But I bring all of that up. I don't care about her nomination or her confirmation. What I really care about is that she said what she said in 2016. Because up until 2016, it's almost like everybody has no memory of anything. And I get it because prior to 2018, 2019, people didn't live their lives for Trump. But now everybody's living for Trump, right? Everybody hangs on his very last word. They unfriend people in the name of Trump. They Everything they do is because of Trump, because Trump is the worst thing ever. They would prefer coronavirus to Trump. And you heard that on this show. We played that audio a couple of weeks ago of the girl. They said, hey, if we can make a deal with you, get rid of Trump or someone in your family could die of coronavirus. She was like, yeah, I'll do that. Let's go with that. And they're like, what if you throw in your dad too? She was like, okay, I'll do it. And it was no contest, right? She hated Trump that much. Now, again, I would call her on her bluff. I think she's full of it. But the point is that the rhetoric is that inflammatory. People think that Trump is the worst thing ever. So 
I'm going to stop and say, you know what? Hold up. Wait a minute. Now, yesterday, I brought that up because I'm setting the stage for a, a private message I got on Facebook or one of these things. And it's from a old friend. It's a friend of mine that, you know, she's somebody I think is a lovely individual. This is not anything personal. She's a former legislator in the New Jersey State Assembly and asked me a legitimate question, a very well-posed question in my opinion. And the question was, should we, I wish I had her, the question in front of me, but I'll summarize it. Should we be questioning Trump's win in Florida if that was also counted by Dominion voting software? Is that win legit? Or are we just going to question the ones where he lost? And I thought, legitimate question, ill-informed. And I'm going to get to all of that. There's, there's a whole process around this, a whole process. And we have to really, really pay close attention to what's going on. There's hearings that are going on to expose the truth. In these hearings, things are coming out. But you have to ask yourself some questions. Which candidate across America, if you look at a county-by-county county map, because these election things are handled by county boards of election, which candidate won more than 80% of all counties in the United States? Is it the guy that became president, or they say became president, Joe Biden? Or is it Donald Trump? Hint, it's Donald Trump. Who got the most votes as a president? Yep, right again, that's Trump. Now they're saying, no, Biden got, Biden got most, more votes. No, it's, I'm talking about as a president, right? No other presidents received the amount of votes that Trump has gotten, 11 million more than the last time he ran. I'm not ignoring the Biden results. It's just that the Biden results are in question. Biden is not saying, oh, hold on a second. I got hairy legs and Donald Trump didn't get that many. He didn't get 74 million, 78 million, whatever million amount of votes. There's not a single Democrat out there saying that Donald Trump cheated in this election, period. They're not saying that. Now, they did say that in 2016. And they said it in 2018 with Stacey Abrams and, and with, uh, I always forget this guy's name. See if you can find it from Andrew Gillum. Never mind, Andrew Gillum. He was the guy I was going to describe him as the mayor that got caught smoking meth with a male hooker in a motel and got arrested. Um, I always remember the story. I never remember the name. Anyway, Andrew Gillum, right? When he's, oh, they stole it. We've been robbed. We've been hearing this. Literally, this is how I got into politics. Al Gore was screaming, thumping on his chest. We won this thing. After he said he lost the thing, he went and he said he won the thing. And he was like Biden running around for a while saying he was president-elect. And now what do we have? We had George W. Bush as president. So we're looking at things now and the media is really crafting this thing in an interesting way. But I want to answer the question that was posed to me and it's multiple questions. It was, you know, a really well thought out thing. I just couldn't sit there and type it all because I had to prepare for the show. So I figured, you know what? I will use that question as part of the show so that I can give you that response because it really is a a, a well-developed idea and there's a lot that goes into it. If Biden is so sure about the results, why is he in such a rush? Why isn't he calling for an audit? Why isn't he saying, hey, no, let's, let's go. Count them one by one because I won this thing. Got nothing to hide. Instead, he's office of the president-elect, nominating this one, nominating that one, doing everything he can to keep things moving along totally just dismissing the legal challenge. Now, I was looking on social media and I saw a comment from Robbie Starbuck. And he said, the media loves trying to embarrass Trump. It's a drug to Democrats and all of the, the Trump haters. 
They get high on the thought of making him look foolish. So why aren't they pushing for an audit of voting systems and ballots? What better way to embarrass Trump than to prove that he lost the election? Unless they know President Trump won and they're trying like hell to run the clock out so they can have their guy win. It's the only explanation for why the Democrats and the media aren't trying to embarrass Trump by having him lose twice. Think of that. That's the part I wanted to read to you. Imagine that if you were Joe Biden and the Democrats and the media, and he's 100% right here. Oh, boy. Imagine, you know what, Trump? Yeah, not only did I beat you at the ballot box, I'm going to beat you in every recount. I'm going to beat you twice. You're going to go down in history as the president that got beaten twice by Joe Biden. And that's my word as a Biden. My word as a Biden. Hairy legs, right? So why aren't they doing that? It's because they know that they stole the election and maybe Biden even helped them do it. Unlike my friend, who's a former legislator, I ran for the state assembly in 2005 in New Jersey and I lost. And one of my experiences, and I've shared it before, but I'll, I'll share it again, was I visited a polling location in Union City, New Jersey, that was not in the district that I lived in, but it was in the district that I was running to represent. So as a candidate, I could visit the polling locations. However, at this particular polling location, when I went, there was a guy I nicknamed then, and, and it's probably still appropriate now, El Stacco. <laughs> and El Stacco was there. And he was greeting voters going into the high school where they were going to cast their votes. And I, you know, stepped up on the scene and there were the, the three Republicans that were there <laughs> compared to the hundreds of Democrats that were there. And I said hello to the three supporters that were like, hey, I voted for you. And I was like, all right, thanks. Don't say that too loud, you know, because you might get in trouble. And then as I, you know, I figured out of decency and respect, I went over to he's a sitting mayor, he's a city uh, sitting assemblyman. And uh, I extended my hand and I said, hello. And. I shook his hand and he squeezed my hand real hard and shook it very vigorously. And he said, what are you shaking my hand for? I thought you said I was corrupt. <laughs> and I was like, wow, he really took that stuff to heart, huh? And I didn't say he was corrupt. I said that he was accepting donations from corrupt individuals. And they ended up getting arrested by the United States Attorney's Office for human trafficking. So, I mean, that sounds like corruption to me. And the, the security at this nightclub that was allowing 14-year-old girls to accept dances with patrons at a bar and then take them upstairs to a private apartment and have sex with them. The security at the front desk there was the police that worked under this guy who was also director of public safety in that town. So again, I wasn't saying he was doing it. I don't think he was complicit in trafficking, but I did say there was some funny business going on and that bar owner, guess what? She was donating to his campaign. <laughs> so I, I thought I was in my rights to say, you know, to really put the facts out there. And lo and behold, he ended up saying, oh, you know what? We did take a few thousand dollars from that woman and he donated them to a battered woman's shelter somewhere. And, you know, good for him on that. However, the point was what I said wasn't wrong. It wasn't lying and it wasn't mudslinging. The point isn't about me in that story. The point is when I walked up into this place and I shook his hand and I wanted to go in to see what the poll watchers were doing because, you know, the county establishment has their poll watchers. My campaign was on a shoestring budget. I didn't have a, a robust machine, but the campaign did. All that being said, when they walked in, when I tried to walk in, he looked at me and he said, you can't go in there. You're the candidate. No, 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 no. You're the candidate. You, that's electioneering. And I'm thinking, what are you, the Board of Elections? First of all, I can go in. I'm a candidate. Two, I'm a citizen. Long story short, we got into this back and forth and he signaled his chief of staff and he said, get me the chief. And he said, I'm going to have you arrested for electioneering because you're within 100 feet of a polling location and you cannot go inside. And he forbid me to go inside. 
Now, I was 26 years old at the time. I didn't know a lot and I didn't have a lot of money. So ignorance and broke, all right, you win this one. Let them try that today. We'll both be famous. That's how much airtime we'll get on a story like that. The point here is there's a multi-pronged legal strategy here. And this is a part I want you to take note of because I think it's a really, really important point. The legal strategy has multiple facets, multiple points. For example, number one, Rudy Giuliani is drawing some cover fire. He has to. He's, he's out front. He's in charge. He's going to say things that people are going to say, what the heck are you talking about? What do you, what do you mean? That's because obviously they didn't put the mob in jail. They didn't take down John Gotti and crime families in New York City, clean up New York City, and then see New York City through 9-11. I mean, listen, I, I'm a cheerleader for Rudy. Of course I am. But it's because I was, I was here. I saw the whole thing. If you were, every single human that was in New York was like, wow, thank God for this guy and his leadership. Thank God that he had the experiences he had. He was the right guy at the right time during that transition between him and Bloomberg to take on what happened here in New York City. So with that being said, Giuliani is going to draw fire. He's going to say things that people may not totally grasp. Number one, when we talk about a fraudulent election, fraudulent election, does that mean the election, the entire election was a fraud? No. It means that aspects of multiple elections for federal office, the only combined federal election we have for vice president and president. It's the only thing that all Americans vote for. It's the only offices, and it's kind of one office in tandem, vice president and president. There was no issue in all these other states. There were issues in these particular states, these key states, where Biden wasn't performing well. Matter of fact, Biden still performed worse in those counties than Hillary Clinton did when she lost to Trump. Yet he came in with more votes. Hmm. Well, how could you say that? Well, just look at all of the other races. You look at all of the, the down-ballot races, and you, you have to look at that and say, okay, so hold on a second. We have in every other county in these same states, because it's not he, he won the state, but he didn't really win the entire state, right? He won those electoral college votes because he won the major city. In effect, what we have here is the Democrats using the system to destroy the system. Well, what do you mean, Rich? I'm going to explain. Stalin taught that we should use the system to burn down the system. Got it. What did they do? They said, okay, the Electoral College is designed to prevent any mass large group of people, like on the federal scale, New York or California, who have more people than everybody else does, and they could totally swing an election every single time because of their population size. There's more people in those places. So smaller places like Rhode Island or North Dakota or South Dakota, they would be drowned out. They would have no say in a presidential election. And that's why we have the genius of the Electoral College. It's so that everybody has a shot. I'm going to finish this in a minute because I think it's important. But it's so important that everybody has a shot. And this isn't just about the Electoral College. It's exactly what the Democrats did this time around to use the concept of the Electoral College and turn it around, pervert it, and use it to win. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez on all the social media. We'll be right back. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. 
explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. This is America. Bienvenido, America. Welcome back. So we're talking about fake, phony, and fraud elections, and so much of what's going on is confusing to a lot of people. And there's so many things on the table. But what I want to discuss right now is there's that Wuhan piece from CNN. Apparently, CNN is saying, in addition to the breaking news about the McRib, the, the CNN organization is now saying that there may have been some mishandling of information by the Chinese government with respect to the virus. Now, I remember somebody saying that. Tall guy, orange hue, blonde swooping hair, Donaldus Magnus El Trumpito, El Presidente, the 45th president of these United States, Donald J. Trump, saying that it was China, China, it's the China virus. But no, of course, Andrew uh, Essential Andy, Governor Essential Andy Cuomo from the Essential Andy Cuomo podcast, he said that, no, 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 this is the Italian virus. No, it's a European virus. Oh, it's all Trump's fault. I don't know. I do the same voice for everybody. I got to work on that. I got to work on my Cuomo. But I want to get back to what I was talking about. Because again, that question that uh, my former lawmaker friend posed to me, I thought was a really valid question. And it's, I think it's what's on a lot of people's minds. So with respect to that, there are two fronts of of this challenge, I would say. there's there's Obviously, there's a PR challenge, right? You have the media... The corporate media, the collective media, the mainstream, lamestream, whatever you want to call it, you know, cable news and broadcast networks, major publications, they're all of one opinion here. Trump lost, and they like that opinion because they've hated Trump since the beginning, and I think that's clear. If you can't agree and say, no, I think, I think they were very fair to Trump, they were very fair, it was even-handed, then please just hit stop, don't listen to me anymore, we're never, we're never going to, it's never going to work. This isn't going to work with you and I. However, if you do realize the facts for what they are and you realize, you know what? Yeah, you're right. They were biased against Trump. They did not cover him fairly. There was a lot that went on. Then now we can understand that there's a need for a PR offensive from the Trump campaign. They need to create a offensive against this narrative that says he lost. They have to over the top say that he won. If you don't know what the Overton window is, go look it up real quick. You'll understand why people get so outlandish. Overton window says, you know, you open the window, yay high, but you're only going to get that much lower through the small window. So you have to say, we won and we won big. So that people go, you know what? He might've won, (laughs) right? That's how that kind of works. Kind of like the telephone game. So there's a PR uh, strategy that's part of this. And it's not propaganda or fake news. It's fighting the fake news and being extremely clear with your message. Number one. Number two, there are two constitutional challenges here. One on the merits that courts cannot act as legislatures. Now, yes, those have gone to a number of courts. And these courts, which in many situations have been biased, have ruled against the president. Now, there's several reasons there. Number one, I would say the easiest is personal survival. I don't think anybody wants to be the judge that says the law was clear and yes, that the Trump team was right, but I don't want to be the guy that tells 200,000 people, 600,000 people that because of corrupt Democrats abusing the system and using the system to destroy the system, 
that they, in effect, disenfranchise hundreds of thousands of their constituents. That's a cowardly judge. We need courageous judges that are going to say, listen, my job's not here to be popular. I'm not an elected judge. I was an appointed judge. That's why the Supreme Court guys, and again, many argue against it, but the reason they have these lifetime appointments is so that they never have to worry about another job and they never have to worry about being independent. Again, in theory. Now, just because all of these things didn't make it through the courts at the levels where they were, whether it was the Federal Court of Appeals or the State Supreme Court or State Courts, and the one judge, Patricia McCullough, if you haven't read that opinion, you have to read the entire opinion. It's multiple pages, but read it. She basically says the Trump team is right on their legal argument. They will probably win when this goes up the ladder to the Supreme Court. She's saying it, and she's a Commonwealth judge in Pennsylvania, because the law is pretty clear on this. So state courts can't change state laws. Only state lawmakers can change state laws. And that's per the federal constitution. So you're violating the federal constitution. And in this situation, we're voting for federal officers. So that's a very important thing. And the key now becomes political. Politically, we have to play this game so that the courts will actually take it because you have justices like John Roberts that are not willing to engage. And the great one, Mark Levin, mentioned this on his program last night that in 2000, Chief Justice Rehnquist was un hombre, un macho de verdad, a real man, a man's man. And he, he was willing to take this on and defend the Constitution, something Chief Justice Roberts is not willing to do, saying that it's a state's rights issue. Clearly, you don't have to be a constitutional scholar to realize it's not a state's right issue if you're not voting for state offices, even though it's a state election for federal officers. So it becomes complicated, and it is a question. And that's what Levin has suggested, and that's also what the Republican Party of Pennsylvania has suggested, uh, or not suggested, filed in their appeal to the Supreme Court saying, we have a question that we need the Supreme Court to answer. And based on the law and based on the argument they present there, it is a very logical argument that may have a very uh, consequential result. And the court may choose to say, you know what, we don't want to hear this case because we're not going to be the court that's going to turn around and disenfranchise 600,000 people. But I think when you have somebody that's courageous, the real question is going to become, are you going to disenfranchise the tens of millions of Americans that actually voted for Trump? Realizing that fraudulent ballots, now this is when we use the word fraudulent ballots, if it's determined that the court was not within its authority in Pennsylvania to approve mail-in ballots at the level that they did, that means every mail-in ballot is null and void. That puts Biden way back and keeps Trump in the driver's seat because he won legitimate votes and Biden won illegitimate votes. I hope this is making sense. If that's the case, then Trump wins and Biden loses. But the real question is the media will portray this, as many will, they'll say, oh, but you're going to disenfranchise 600,000 people in Pennsylvania? To me, the, the real question is, are you going to disenfranchise the people that actually voted for Donald Trump? The millions upon millions. And when you add up all across the states, you know, 70 some odd million people that voted for Trump, they're all going to be disenfranchised. So w which one is it? Do you toss out a couple of hundred thousand here or an entire nation of people? And that's the real question. So with respect to that, I want you to hear what Mayor Giuliani had to say about fraudulent votes, because Democrats bringing in false votes, 
this is really it. It's not just about people cheating and dead people voting. That's just, you know, uh, a problem that needs to be dealt with. But we're dealing with a real systemic issue here. And I think when people understand that when they're saying fraudulent votes, it's because these things were done fraudulently. It was designed to disenfranchise people. It was designed to legally cheat, which is going to be determined, in my opinion, to hopefully be illegal. So listen to what Rudy had to say. Check this out. The key fraud is the mail-in ballot. That was the backup in case they fell too far behind. That's why they cut off the vote at midnight, one o'clock, when President Trump was getting too far ahead, particularly in Pennsylvania, in uh, Michigan, in uh, Wisconsin, and, and also in um, uh, Pennsylvania. So they cut off the vote. He was getting up to 800,000 in Pennsylvania, 300,000 in Michigan. He was even further ahead in Wisconsin. They cut off the vote, they turned things off, they chased everybody out, and then it's not your concern, except for the fact that you gotta look at, look at this somewhat in to- total. They started bringing in false ballots. We have three witnesses to 100,000 of those ballots being brought in at 4.30 in the morning in Detroit with no Republicans around that they knew of. Luckily, we had two that stayed behind and a Dominion employee who was willing to be honest. Not all of them are honest. Okay, so he laid it out, I think, pretty well. And there's more to it. This is why this is so complicated and it's difficult for people to follow along. There are the constitutional challenges that I mentioned. There's also constitutional challenge being brought on the merits of equal protection. That people's 16th Amendment rights to equal protection under the law were being violated because of what Giuliani just said. If Republican poll watchers are not allowed to watch votes being counted, but Democrats are, that's an unequal protection, and it's literally a violation of one's civil rights. It's literally a violation of the Constitution under the 16th Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause. That's not us making that up. That's what the Supreme Court said in Bush v. Gore. They said that because the same exact type of thing happened with the hanging chads when they were counting the ballots, because of that, they didn't allow the third recount or whatever, the second recount to, to go on. And they said, look, it is what it is. Bush won. Yeah, basta. This is very important because we can't, let, uh, I guess, look back and ignore the history. We have to look at the history and say, you know what? Okay, that's legit. That's real. We have to pay attention. So with respect to Florida in this election, There was no question. The New York Times was calling Florida for Trump all night. They had this thing called the election needle, and it was at 90-something percent, 90-something percent. And when I went to bed close to 2 o'clock in the morning, it had moved to like 80 percent or 83 percent, but it was still solid going for Trump, just like Pennsylvania was going for Trump, Wisconsin was going for Trump, Michigan was going for Trump. All of these swing states were going for Trump because the majority of these states, in my opinion, had overwhelmed the Democrat counties that are the power base of the Democrats in those states. However, this is where they brought in the funny business between 4 and 6 a.m. This is when they stopped counting. There was all of these interesting things that I, if you're just a legitimate person that wants to pursue the truth, you cannot sit here and ignore that they stopped counting in the middle of the night. That's not a thing. And that you have people from the voting company, the Dominion software, saying, listen, I'm willing to go on record and tell you 
that this thing was fake, it was phony, and it was fraud. So I want you to listen to this Arizona witness that had that to say at yesterday's hearing. It's about a minute and six seconds, but it's well worth it. Listen to this. If you could just tell us in your, um, in the simplest way possible as an expert, what is your opinion as to the validity of the numbers that were certified today by the Secretary of State and the governor about this election? If I was an executive at a publicly traded company, I would never sign that because I risked jail time and having all my money taken from me in lawsuits. So to answer your question, I would never, ever have certified. I'd rather resign than have certified those results. So your professional opinion is that the numbers are fraudulent? I believe they're fraudulent based on the data. And my sister asked me a simple question this morning. She goes, how sure are you? And my sister's a pretty stubborn person like me. And I said, I'd be willing to put my life on it. I'm that sure about the analysis, assuming that the data that I got from the state and everything else was accurate. So, you know, if you give me all inaccurate data from everywhere, then, you know, that's my only caveat. So there you have it. The guy, the witness at the hearing yesterday, he's just put his life on the line. He said he'd be willing to put his life on the line to make the case that this was conducted fraudulently, that the vote was fraudulent with respect to what they were discussing. So I think this is, again, one of many lawsuits, one of many hearings. When someone says there is no evidence of fraud and you have an expert witness, you have eyewitness testimony, you have people putting their name, reputation on the line under penalty of perjury, the reason you don't have hard, cold, evidence, obviously, is because not a single court has allowed this to move forward to actually be litigated. Once they do, you know why? That whole discovery phase comes in. And once discovery starts, there will be subpoena power from the court where counsel can say, hey, look, we want you to subpoena this. We want you to subpoena that. And as of yesterday, there were some cases where they had put an order to not touch certain voting machines and whatnot. And as of today, or at least last night, some Arizona lawmakers are calling for a resolution to hold back the Electoral College votes in Arizona because they feel that this was done fraudulently. And that's their right because they're the ones that are actually in charge of the time, the place, and the manner of how this Electoral College voting process goes forward with respect to the electors. So I think there's a lot of moving parts here. And that's why it's difficult to follow along. But that's what I'm doing every single day, trying to keep my, you know, finger on the pulse and see exactly what's going on. And I'm going to keep you updated as as we get all of the information. This is why I always quote Hamilton. And I say, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. And I quote Sir Edmund Burke, the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't do nothing. Do something. Be creative. Stand up. Rise up. Protect your family. Protect your country. Protect the republic. America's never needed you as much as she does right now. Hasta la próxima. Until next time, I'm Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. 
explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade.